0: The Mitchell's Front Page podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11.
1: Now on Mitchell's Front Page, On the Road with Toby Hagan. Morning, Toby. How are you?
0: Good, thanks, Mitchell. Good morning.
1: Well, first of all, uh, the governments of Australia have been looked at and a bit of a report card done to see how um, environmentally friendly or how electronically vehicle-friendly their policies are.
0: They have indeed, yeah, and it's a, uh, a big, fat fail for the federal government. This report was released as an annual report by the Electric Vehicle Council of Australia, and uh, they've given the, the federal government three out of ten, which is pretty dismal, really, considering that... Every other state or territory got at least 6 out of 10, uh, and the New South Wales government got 9 out of 10. It was the top of, top of all the states, uh, partly because um, the New South Wales government not only has a rebate of up to $3,000, it also um, is planning to get rid of stamp duty on electric vehicles and also has announced a fairly expansive recharging network and plans to, to beef up their fleet. So as a result, New South Wales government was number one, uh, and, as I said, the Fed's at the bottom with 3 out of 10. Victorian government, 6 out of 10, so all the rest of the states and territories, it was towards the bottom end. Um, the ACT government got an 8 out of 10. Tasmania and Northern Territory each got a 7 out of 10. As I said, Victoria on 6, along with Queensland, South Australia and Western Australia.
1: So other than providing cash incentives or, you know, the rebates, that sort of thing, because some people out there might say, well, electric cars should be subjected to the same um, standards as other vehicles. Is that recharging facility and uh, helping to set that up, is that the biggest thing that governments can do to boost their score?
0: depends on which car company you you speak to. Certainly Toyota, for example, is one that says, we want the governments to do more in terms of infrastructure rather than just handing out uh, rebates and so on. The infrastructure is an enormous one. I mean, that's something a lot of people cite as we don't know where we're going to be able to, uh, to recharge these cars in future. So, um, obviously, if, uh, if you solve that issue for them, that's a big one. So, so yes, it's pretty important. Um, people still say, you know, oh, but what if I want to drive to, uh, to Sydney and, and, and over to South Australia or something – The reality is most people are going to fly those distances but they still want that reassurance that if they head into regional areas um, that they will be able to recharge. I mean, the reality is with an electric car you're going to do the vast majority of your charging at home. Most people leave the car um, in the garage or the driveway uh, overnight and that's the time it'll get recharged.
1: Now, the uh, EV Council's also had a look at some of the figures and the sales figures. Uh, What are the best performing electric vehicles out there?
0: Yeah, this is an interesting one because... Um obviously the we get detailed sales figures from the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries which break down every brand and every model within those brands. But Tesla doesn't play ball with the, the FCAI. It doesn't supply individual sales figures for countries. So instead Tesla supplies figures for the world. So they basically say so this is how many cars we're selling around the world. They don't break break them out to the various regions and so on. So the EV Council's done some digging and come up with the sales figures. For the various, uh, the various, um, well, for overall electric vehicle sales, and that, and that's um for the first time ever, we've hit more than one percent of uh, of electric vehicle sales in Australia. So, one point two eight percent of the cars we buy are now purely electric. There are some more on top of that that are plug-in hybrid electric, so a combination of uh, of petrol power and electricity. And um, the top by a mile. If you break down the uh, the EV council figures, the top by a mile is Tesla. A bit over five thousand sales, going uh, predominantly to the Tesla Model Three, um, which is actually double all the other EVs on sale in the country. So there's about sort of fifteen, a bit over fifteen uh, EVs on sale. Tesla's out selling them. them more than a factor of two the whole lot of them so it's a, it's a pretty big step up for them
1: certainly is and uh, luxury brand genesis has revealed its new all-electric uh, suv
0: yeah that's right i mean look genesis is a, a fledgling player in that uh, that luxury market um it's owned by hyundai so i guess it's the uh the lexus equivalent to toyota it's uh, it's hyundai's version of lexus um, got some pretty bold plans for for the world and australia and, uh, as you say, they just revealed their first electric SUV. Um, they're planning to go pretty big on electric cars, and this first electric SUV is called the GV60. So it's looking like sort of a, a compact, maybe a fraction bigger than a compact SUV, probably to compete with things like the Volvo XC40, Mercedes-Benz EQA, those sorts of things. So it's um, uh, it's due in Australia early next year. We're not sure of pricing yet. Best guesses are maybe somewhere around the eighty to to $100,000 mark. But interestingly, underneath that car, um, because, as I said, the brand is owned by Hyundai, it shares what they call the eGMP platform or architecture. So it uh, it shares the architecture with the upcoming Hyundai Ionic Five, a, another electric car, and the Kia EV6, again an electric vehicle. So it's sharing uh, a dual motor setup. So it's looking like having uh, two electric motors, um, battery pack in the floor, optimized for for packaging and space and so on. Um, really interesting looking car and a, a very different interior to a lot of other vehicles on the market. So it's, uh, you know, usual focus on tech and uh, and digital displays and so on. And uh, I think that one will be interesting when it arrives in the country early next year.
1: Is that a good selling point for Genesis that it does have that same architecture as Hyundai and Kia? Because I think they are now uh, relatively respected and trusted brands.
0: Yeah, they are. I don't think they'll use it as a selling point, but I think it's more a... Um, Being able to, I guess, share common components that maybe the average person doesn't really realise, and you see this across other brands, Volkswagen, for example, or the Volkswagen Group, uses engines across multiple brands, so you'll find the same engine um, in a Skoda, in a Volkswagen, in an Audi, um, but they obviously change then other other parts of the car There's the design the uh the features the way it drives all those sorts of things they can tailor with things like software so it's a similar sort of thing it's trying to get those economies economies of scale trying to ensure that you can create i guess the the best in class or the best practice that you can and then spread that across multiple brands which is something that uh that all the car makers look to do
1: and uh, that price point of 80 to 100k how does that compare if you wanted to get a luxury suv but an internal combustion one
0: Well, it's still going to be a little bit more, so you can... Uh, you know I guess the compact SUVs started around the sort of sixty thousand dollar mark, something like that fifty to sixty thousand, and head north of there. I guess one of the things with uh, with most electric cars which we're learning pretty quickly is performance tends to be significantly up on uh, on their their regular equivalents. So once you start comparing apples with apples in terms of the performance that 's where it starts getting a lot more interesting and then you 've got different running costs with EVs as well, so you you tend to have lower servicing costs. That said, electric cars can pick up in other ways, things like tyre use, for example, because they tend to be a bit, uh, bit heavier, they can, they can uh, chew through tyres a bit quicker. But overall, the running costs of EVs tend to be lower, so they tend to pay themselves off over time as well.
1: And Toyota is set to close a bunch of factories because of a semiconductor shortage.
0: Yeah, this is one that's that's uh, hitting the uh, the market around the world. So manufacturers around the world are really struggling with this. Computer chips are hard to come by. Um, it all sort of kicked off last year during um, during COVID times when they pulled back their orders for all components, including computer chips. And uh, as a result, they've struggled to to ramp them back up because the computer chip manufacturers have then been supplying them to other industries such as uh, consumer electronics and so on. So. Um, So, yeah, Toyota's been hit. I mean, they've been largely immune to this over the last sort of year or so. They've been able to keep their factories moving. But uh, just the other day, they came out and said, we're going to be shutting a whole bunch of plants. Now, some of them are only shutting for a day or two over the next month or so. But other ones, for example, the Toyota Land Cruiser factory is shutting for a full four weeks. So most of September, they will not be producing any Land Cruisers, uh, which is a big one for Australia. I mean, obviously, the, uh, the Land Cruiser, um, they've actually run out of the previous generation Land Cruisers. They're now waiting on the all-new model, the 300 series, and that car is not on sale in Australia, probably for another month or two. First deliveries have already landed in Australia, uh, but... Um, It looks like it's going to be delayed. There's already people queuing to own that car, and with the factory shutting down globally for four weeks, there's obviously going to be uh, some extended delays there going out into next year. And uh, you've
1: driven a development version of that new Land Cruiser down uh, near Anglesey.
0: I have, yeah, the Australian Automotive Research Centre, which is uh, not far from the Great Ocean Road. Didn't
1: even know it was um, there. They probably want it that way. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that's right. It's, it's owned by Lindsay Fox, and it's uh, – look, it's an amazing facility. It's obviously very top top secret. We couldn't have computers. We couldn't have phones. We couldn't have uh, iPads or anything. So it was a notepad and pen. It was back to the good old days. Uh, this all happened back in May. We weren't, weren't able to say anything until uh, very recently. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we basically got a very exclusive look at one of the early development vehicles of the, the Land Cruiser 300 series. Got to drive it, which is uh, a big one. I mean, the, the Land Cruiser, as I said, it is a it is sort of the, the self-proclaimed king of the outback. It's the car a lot of people rely on, not just for family duties, but obviously for adventuring, for work, um, for farmers in the outback and so on. It's, uh, it's a very, very important vehicle. So, uh, look, they haven't changed the formula at all in terms of it's still a big off-roader but they have refined it now it's got a new v6 engine a lot of people are concerned that the v6 engine is going to be a step backwards from the v8 that's been there since 2008 but uh, i can tell you it absolutely isn't it's certainly got more grunt it's now hooked up to a 10-speed automatic so it's uh, it's absolutely um significantly uh more more grunty than the v8 in terms of uh, acceleration and so on and um yeah, really looking forward to getting that car out into uh, the territory it was designed for and, uh, and learning a bit more about it.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, it would be really interesting driving around Anglesey. Uh, I can imagine they'd have all sorts of different terrains that you can test the uh, off road capabilities of that vehicle on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, look, the facility is used to develop a number of vehicles. Uh, so they've got a, a almost a circular, it's an oval shaped track that you can drive reasonably high speed on. So obviously to simulate freeway driving and so on, they've then got sort of winding country roads that sort of meander down and uh, and and back up hills and so on, and then they've got a, a network of uh, of dirt and gravel roads and off road sections and. Creep crossings and all sorts of things. So it's uh, it is an amazing facility. And As I said, the things car the thing car makers like with a proving ground is the repeatability. It's to be it's to be able to go over the exact same piece of road, not have any other traffic there, test out new components, make sure they're going to live up to what they're supposed to do, and uh, develop that car. So look, a lot of the development work for the Land Cruiser was done at that Anglesey proving ground. I mean, they, Toyota says something like eighty percent of the roads in the world can be replicated in this. And that uh, Anglesey proving ground was the home base for the biggest part of the development of the new Land Cruiser in the world. So it's um, you know, they obviously got it out onto other roads, out into the uh, out into the wild generally. But as I said, the uh, the proving ground there was the home base for it all.
1: Well, thanks so much for being on the program. Really appreciate it. We'll catch up again in two weeks' time.
0: Sounds good. Thanks, Mitchell. Thank
1: you. Toby Hagen. there, the editor of evcentral.com.au, which is his website where he talks about all the latest developments in the world of electronic vehicles.
0: The Mitchell's Front Page podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.